This is Chaz Woodson, and you're listening to the Going Offsides Podcast. Well, since the two of you are here, Scott, why don't you kind of tell me how the two of you kind of came together to work on MSN Laser? <laughs> you're not going to believe it, but it was, a, it was Instagram Messenger. Um, yeah, it's crazy how kind of social media can, can create sort of wild connections, uh, even when there's so many circles in your life that, uh, you're already connected through, but, uh, it was literally, a it was kind of a, a synergetic message on Instagram from me to Wes, um, when he had started sort of following us. And, uh, from there it, it really grew into, uh, a relationship where uh, where we talk daily and work daily together, and he kind of influences a lot of what we do. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of crazy how it's all worked out, but it's uh, it's 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 kind of just like MSN Laser and and how everything's come together and the environments kind of shaped uh, shaped the business, uh, similar to how uh, the unique world has shaped uh, the relationship that Wes and I have been able to kind of build. And then Wes, on your side of things, what kind of drew you in on Instagram to, to the company? Um, funny enough, you know, I'd, I'd seen some of the stuff that, that Scott had done and Emerson had done with, with Keo and, and Dane Smith and a, a few guys that I knew. And so I just kind of, um, you know, started following him and, and interested in what he was doing. And I saw, uh, I think one of them was the, the basketball hoop backboard that had been laser engraved on like the mini back and growing up in in uh coquitlam we had a pretty awesome uh wood tech kind of facility in our in our high school so i'd always done a lot of like you know carpet i took as many of those classes as i could i took it as a almost as a ta so that i could just keep keep taking it we had an awesome uh, couple of teachers and you know making lots of cool stuff like coffee tables and cigar boxes and all these these things so i'd been interested in what he did and the laser was was just crazy and i saw i saw that uh that toronto raptors display and then some of the dane smith stuff and um ironically he he kind of reached out to me um right when i was was thinking about uh, trying to get his contact information from dane so it was it was pretty cool uh and then you know all the stuff that he's been able to do even with some materials we've gotten from from warrior with with carbon and, and all this other stuff that's uh um if you've seen any of that it's mm -hmm. it's pretty amazing it's it's like a work of art yeah and the, so they're beautiful but i think what surprised me and maybe the casual person that didn't really know what you know what you were building these aren't just beautiful pieces these are actual shafts that you know a lot of you guys that are working with scott have started to to use like these are quality shafts that you can actually play with. What um, kind of, maybe you can describe what it's like to use one of these shafts in terms of, you know, durability, weight. Um, you know, not a lot of people use a wood shaft anymore. Yeah, exactly. It, uh, I mean, it's pretty amazing. Number one, the, the grips that he can do. So it's, it's more, you know, it almost looks like it's just a pattern to, to kind of make the shaft look cool, but you don't even need tape. So it feels really good in, in your hand and, you know, all the different types of wood that he can do. Some are a bit heavier and more lumber. Probably it inflicts some pain if you're, if you're a D guy. And then, 
some of the other materials, right. That are just so, so light and they're, they're fun to, to play with. I, with everything going on right now, I've only been, been coaching with them. So it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, pretty cool to, to be able to kind of play around with some of these and, and shoot on some kids, but uh, I haven't, I haven't actually got the chance to use it in uh in a game or, or use it uh, playing yet. And so Scott, where did the decision to go from more kind of marketing outward facing things with logos and, and stuff like that into an actual usable, like game ready product, like a shaft? Cause companies spend years R and D'ing a lacrosse shaft. So kind of maybe walk me through how, how you came about the, the idea. I know you, you play junior, uh lacrosse so how did the idea for a lacrosse shaft come up yeah it was really kind of uh it was really sort of it came to fruition through a friendship that i gained uh with a local wood shop and the local wood shop is kind of equipped with all these older people that uh that have spent their whole lives r&ding for me (laughs) they were willing to kind of they're willing to kind of share all their secrets and kind of all their hard work um, kind of just with the fact that they were so amazed with what we could do on the laser. So part of these months of me kind of mastering the wood and laser side was spent at the wood shop, uh, not only like creating friendships, but learning from some of uh, the greatest woodworkers uh, that you can find kind of here in North America. And it's crazy because there's a bunch of them all just sort of plopped just north of my shop here in Toronto um so I've really I became really really close with the owner of the shop and then another gentleman that worked in the shop his name's Dominic Bradshaw and he's a big part of what we do here um so yeah Dominic left the shop and ended up coming to work with us and he's here uh he's here weekly Dominic's a retired stage builder for CBC which is one of the broadcasting companies from up here in Canada and stage builders uh, are like super multifaceted. They're like trade show guys. So mm-hmm. as soon as the two of us got together, we kind of had a synergy like Wes and I, uh, just with what our pa- how our passions all kind of line up. And uh, basically through Dominic coming on board and then through the knowledge that I was able to sort of gain from becoming friends with the owner of the wood shop uh the owner of the wood shop has had countless years building baseball bats for mlb baseball players Mm -hmm. and the way that baseball bats are manufactured for baseball players uh is completely different than how the majority of traditional lacrosse shafts are made using steam and uh basically a lot of a lot of the wood species that goes into shaft making before we've come around were from similar tree species in hickory and ash Um, and hickory and ash are amazing trees but the versatility in hickory and ash and what people have done with hickory and ash in order to turn them into lacrosse shafts uh no offense to people that have done it but uh what i've seen is very limited um so basically we took kind of the fact that nobody's really put the R&D into mm-hmm. creating lacrosse shafts that they have to create with uh, the guys that run these wood shops have without putting things like pen blanks and wooden pens um, and stabilizing wood, uh, creating sort of custom uh, custom built materials out of, out of wood kind of applications. So mm-hmm. we peeled a lot of this knowledge out of the wood shop along with talent. Um, we brought it here. 
we basically bought like a world-class table saw um, and we started working with Dominic to add versatility to our lacrosse specific, hockey specific and other sports specific products. Um, we basically just came up with the idea of, of creating shafts and integrating them into the displays. Um, and it was as simple as me bringing him a bunch of sample shafts and the two of us sitting down and shaping them um, and going through how they feel. Uh, and when I say sample shafts, like none of the sample shafts that we use are wooden. They're all mm. existing manufacturer, high level shafts made right. by a lot of the main manufacturers. So we weren't like, we weren't, we weren't trying to, to take something that has never worked and that's illegal uh, to build something better. We were taking the kind of benchmark pieces in the industry to make something comparable or potentially better. Um, with that being said, we shaped them and it took months to kind of figure them out. A lot of the first iterations of them were a little bit skinny and weak. Um, but essentially, to make a long story shorter, uh, we're using baseball bat. We're using baseball bat methodology on our straight wood shafts um, to basically ensure that there that the strength is there and that mm -hmm. the grains that run through the wood with any of the species that we're using in the shaft are the ideal grains within the tree. Okay, that's that's pretty intense. Uh, <laughs> um, so I've seen some of your marketing materials around the shaft and, and the strength. So how does it compare to, you know, aluminum, titanium, these alloys, how, how does the weight and the strength kind of compare on the actual number side? Yeah, it's like, it varies drastically kind of like what any sort of manufacturer would offer with their shaft lines where, they're sort of shafts designed for different positions within the game. Mm -hmm. um, so like, depending on the material that we're using, we can range, like we can range shaft weights from like the lightest shafts in the world that can be used uh, to like really, really dense, heavy shafts. Um, but with that being said, and what we're with the capabilities that we have now with, with the lasers and CNC cutting and some of the uh, building techniques that we've kind of, learned we can pull weight back out of shafts um, okay so like that's also something that like other i don't think other business or other r&d teams have really thought about like you've seen in the past some of the cut shafts uh like i think reebok had one years back uh with a bunch of holes kind of sliced through the middle oh yeah yeah i remember that one <laughs> yeah those. Like, well, the whole point of that shaft was for aerodynamics and like shooting harder, which like um, it didn't really make sense. That's why it didn't last. So like what we're doing is like is 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 using it to allow for uh, strength and to to allow for the weight to exist to a certain extent, if that makes sense. No, I mean I think if I were still playing. And I don't think it's changed too much. Wes can correct me on this, but a shaft is a shaft. You buy it. It's whatever weight it is. It looks like what it looks like. It's got whatever strength, you know, you know, the difference between playing like a, just a crypto light and a crypto pro is the strength and, and the durability, but the weight is whatever it is. Now you can take a shaft like yours and be like, I really want to get this specific shaft a little bit lighter and then you can literally cut <laughs> and, and laser out a little bit of weight 
and make it actually customizable, which I think that's kind of, I'm trying to wrap my head around it. <laughs> like that's, I don't know if that's ever been done before in any kind of way. So I think that's really cool to, to say like, I would like a crypto pro, but I'd like it to be 10 grams lighter isn't possible, but you can take one of your shafts and be like, yeah, we can find a way to take a few grams out. And yeah, I'd like to even add to that and interrupt, but like we're at the point now where we can take crypto pros and we could take other manufacturer shafts and <laughs> alter and personalize them because like our new kind of cutting capabilities uh, have expanded our material cutting capabilities tenfold just kind of in the last two weeks. Is yeah, that and that's that's kind of the, the coolest part. I mean, when you talk about like, a lot of the shafts are pretty similar and it's whatever wrap they, they put on it. But for kids, half of them don't know the difference. They think, you know, the lighter, the better. But being able to kind of customize it so you can even put your own little storyline on it or you have your own team, um, you know, you can customize team logo on it and everything is, is pretty cool. That's that's nothing that's been, you know ever been done before. So it's uh, it's pretty, pretty awesome to see. Yeah, I feel like people take, you know, goalies take great pride in their custom goalie helmets, right? And now people can take that same pride just with their shaft. And I don't think people, you know, maybe they put some tape on it and put a little, you know, they drew a little saying on there or a little quote or, you know, some initials. But to, to have that same kind of customization with their shaft, I think people can, you know, be really, really proud of what they're using every day. So I think that's that's definitely a game changer for sure. Um, how did you, you know, you mentioned something and I, I remember seeing the picture of kind of a black and gold warrior shaft that you had just recently put up where it was pretty customized with your logos and stuff. What is it at this point now you're like, we can do almost anything. Let's just try it. Yeah. To a certain extent. I mean, like a, a large part of this, like a kind of the the way we were able to narrow in on and focus uh off the start took a lot of us kind of veering out and testing things that uh we were kind of time wasting and learning and like it's part of r&d to kind of trial and error mm -hmm. so we did a lot of that um we're still at the point that kind of like you said where hey like let's try this or let's let's do this because we kind of have that ability to uh customize and alter uh, in sort of so many different ways. Um, so yeah, it is getting to the point now where it's like, okay, like we can, we can offer these things and we can do it to a shaft. We can do it to our shafts. We can, we'll be able to do it to our, to our future offering of shafts. We'll be able to do it to our current offering of shafts, but we can also work and collaborate with other manufacturers who the majority of other manufacturers are set up very, very similar and they're set up like monsters, very, very slow moving mm -hmm. and with kind of the standard education and scaling large business. A lot of it moves offshore for manufacturing. That's just, that's education, but there's also loopholes in that. And especially with what we're going through right now uh, with import export slowdowns and with like pandemics with political situations uh, basically what's happening is the stress from all this is being put on retailers and the retailers have to order this stuff months, sometimes even years out. And with the uncertainty in, in, in purchasing habits and with what's going on with purchasing from a, a, a lacrosse market standpoint, all that's doing is, is, 
putting all the stress on the middleman to execute. Mm-hmm. So it's it's tough for the big guys to be able to alter, but like we're I've always run this business, even in the trade show side, very small and very nimble, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, and what I just explained to you is one of those reasons because we we right now are set up to basically manufacture just in time. So you send us an order on our website, we manufacture the stick, we customize it for you, and it gets delivered to your house within two weeks. There's like there's no one there's no one else out there that can do that. Um, mm-hmm. But what we want to be able to do is we want to work with collab with with other manufacturers to offer this sort of ability. Gotcha. Um, so so this isn't just something where we're like, hey, we want to like we want to take everything over and make it MSN laser. This is more like, hey, like we have like a really disruptive concept here that can help sort of fix issues in the way that businesses are built based off what's changed so drastically in the world in the last two years. This can really kind of fit in and, and, and allow us to work with some of these larger manufacturers um, and potentially collaborate in bringing customization beyond the lacrosse shaft. I mean, like there's a lot of people that have worked on, uh, on head customization. There's a lot of amazing uh, artists out there but maybe we can do that in a different way and bring kind of a different element to how some of that artwork's being done on, on, on heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we can bring kind of the element of customizing a shaft to the gloves. You know what I mean? And we're working on, on that kind of stuff as well, where we're taking, like, I'm, I'm a big shoe guy. So a lot of like what mm-hmm. we do here also comes from like customization shoe world. Same with like the mini hoops that Wes talked about earlier. Like all that comes from, Hey, let's take a mini hoop and customize it. Like people do shoes. So like this whole, this whole concept from the shaft to the net wraps to everything that a player puts on, uh, we're able to customize even like the jerseys and the shorts. Like we can, we can laser, we can laser like full on graphics on, on fabric. Um, and we can integrate like, other fabrics into the fabrics um so like this isn't just this isn't just like a wood this we've like a we've mastered the wood side because the wood side i think needs to be appreciated and it's renewable and it's uh it's there's a lot of there's a lot of value to the material but we're just not in the wood game like we i come from the trade shows and trade shows is all fabric and aluminum and that's why we have the net wraps um and it's like there's a lot of kind of there's a larger picture to all this where, Hey, we can equip athletes, high level pro athletes, amateur athletes Mm -hmm. with personalized gear from a functional standpoint and from a display standpoint. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody right now, and that's, you know, Wes knows from being a part of the PLL, the big things to kind of help athletes build their own brand because there are so many athletes and, there's only so much marketing power in each league. So equipping people to build their own brand is, is a very popular idea right now, especially in a sport like lacrosse, or if you're, you know, uh, I wouldn't say a younger hockey player, but if you're a hockey guy, that's just made it into the league, but you're not one of the, you know, the, you're not a first round draft pick, like there's definitely a need there to get your name out there to brand yourself. And I can't think of a more interesting way to do that than to have, some of your products kind of custom made and, and integrated um, because they're definitely interesting 
and the first thing you know you see something like this and you're like holy cow what what is that what is that shaft he's using and then it just creates a conversation and people are interested so i think i think it's a really really great way to do what you said you want to do and just just help these athletes kind of help themselves yeah d definitely i mean especially for lacrosse right it's not not in the realm of hockey or, or baseball or or soccer or anything like that where athletes are making millions of dollars right and have these big companies coming after them where they can kind of do a cool collaborative like you know Kawhi Leonard doing doing the, the Jolly Rancher shoes or something like that for example mm -hmm. if, if you saw those where you know a lot of times it's a bit more um, community based or a smaller community with lacrosse and to be able to do something that is you know pretty amazing on on a on a smaller scale and, and be able to do something like these customized shafts or or engrave into an old pair of say championship gloves that have been hanging around or something like that and how professional it is and how you know cool it, it almost it, it looks as uh as something that you know might cost a ton of money to to do and and um it's still got that kind of wow factor in it but it's something again you can do at a smaller scale for a bunch of athletes like like lacrosse and engrave into an old old shaft or or cleats or, or gloves or whatever it might be and it's got that really you know awesome personal flair to it and it's got the um you know ability to tell kind of everybody's got an interesting story but being able to to do something that's unique like that is 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 pretty amazing and the cool thing is you know it, it can be for somebody in the nhl somebody for mm -hmm. you know the in, in professional soccer player anything like that but it gives guys in the lacrosse world a, a cool opportunity to be able to to kind of sh uh, sh show their story and, and do something that's that's pretty cool and customizable I, I, just to tag onto that real quick too, it, it's practical, right? Like it's still a shaft yeah. that you can use, enjoy, and and from the looks of it, it could even be better than the the other shafts that you would be getting paid to use if you're, uh, you know, or not paid to use, but given for free if you have a lacrosse sponsorship. So um, it, it's twofold. It's it's a high quality product that also markets for you because you know, everybody's already using a warrior shaft or a brine shaft or STX, no matter if they're getting paid to or not, that's just what they're forced to use. So that's just what's out there. So now you're getting to use your marketing in, in a practical way as well. So I think that's, that's going to be huge for, for some people. Um, Scott, the display stuff, I, you know, obviously the big one that everyone has seen by now, at least on our channels, is the one that you did with Dane Smith. And, and the story I heard is that you, you built it and it was meant to be sold. And uh, Dane said, I'm not leaving without this table. Um, <laughs> can you kind of talk, talk to me about that for a second? Yeah, that's kind of how it went down. He's a, he's a really, really good, good guy, to be honest. He, he drove like, he drove like three hours from Kitchener to come here to the east side of the city. And, uh, he wanted to see the table and he was, we had planned on meeting and just chatting about uh, some future stuff. And uh, I kind of had just in my mind, I, like I kind of thought when he saw it, he'd want it. Um, so what I did is I had already kind of worked with my supplier to get kind of a matching piece. Mm -hmm. And the piece is like Manitoba maple. So it has this like pink that runs through it and it's okay. super crazy. So that's part of the wood. That's not even part of like the lasering process. 
because I'm no, looking all, at it right now. That's all wood, and then like like just pink runs through the wood. But there's red epoxy in the table that Dane got, which okay, uh, okay. I worked with a, with a local friend, uh, Jim Murley, to 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 work the epoxy into it. But yeah, he came. We met. Uh, we had an awesome conversation. He put his. Uh, he brought basically pieces for us to take uh, to uh, to do our thing with, and then he brought pieces that he wanted to keep personally to build something for, and uh, the piece was already built. He uh, he he walked up to the table and dropped his stuff down, and he's like, "Dude, this is one of the nicest things I've ever seen." He's like, "Can I take it?" And I'm like, "Buddy, it's got your name on it. You take it." So yeah, it uh, it ended up being like. Uh, I'm not in this. I'm not in this game for uh, for big sales and mm -hmm. for making all kinds of money. I'm I'm in this game because I love lacrosse and I love that kind of experience when you can uh, when you can kind of you can impress someone and you can make someone's day kind of thing. So especially when it's someone like that who's uh, who's probably had a lot of people give, give them a lot of things, um, and it's probably common practice. But uh, you could just see the uh, the genuine. Uh, impress like how impressed how genuinely impressed he was and how happy he was to uh when we loaded it in the back of his car there but it was uh yeah it was a fun interaction he like uh he hooked up us up us up with a bunch of things and mm -hmm. uh we hung out for the afternoon and then uh and then he took off with his table and uh yeah it's a great time here's hoping he uh he doesn't get switched up on any teams because <laughs> that thing is very uh very chaos themed right so let's hope no, that uh you. let's hope that he stays on the chaos for for the table's sake we can always cap a laser okay. <laughs> we can always throw something on top <laughs> that's that's awesome you know you started off working for your father correct yeah i've only uh i've only ever worked in the family business okay uh, so yeah it's uh it's been part of my life since i was a toddler okay and msn stands for marketing services network yes sir so what was the company before the iteration that it is today where we see all this you know wood engraved lasers all these fun projects that you're definitely innovating what, what was it before that so yeah, so I'll make a really long story short. My uh, my father, Rick Fitchett, who founded the business, he worked at uh, Motorola Canada and Motorola mm -hmm. USA. He was the marketing manager for them. He served a lot of their events and trade shows and he loved it. Um, he worked there for many years and made many valuable friendships and learned a lot of good things, uh, but kind of just got wiped out of the corporate world and wanted to do something on his own. So he started a trade show business and ended up serving Motorola Canada and a lot of the wireless world as it kind of grew here in Canada and North America and throughout the globe. Um, so he basically had an in on the tech side to uh, executing events and trade show booths for shows all over Canada and the US. Um, he worked at that basically my whole life building it and uh, yeah, uh, basically grew it into a family that had, or built it into a business that has uh, fed our family and uh, and beyond that uh, for my whole life. I'm 34. He started the business the year I was born. Um, so with all that being said, he started to integrate me into the business pretty young. Um, I have a sister um, and she uh, she's an awesome person, but she wasn't as sort of interested in the business as I was. So he kind of took me under, under his wing and... Uh, 
yeah, exposed me to a lot, uh, uh, showed me a lot, kind of forced me to do the dirty work. Um, and yeah, the business, uh, the business always sort of had success. Uh, but like any small business, it had its sort of uh, bumps in the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, basically what happened is uh, it, it, was a, it was a normal flowing trade show business. Uh, my old man got sick about 10 years ago and it, uh, it basically, it had an effect on the business. Um, a bunch of us sort of stepped up and tried to save things. He passed away five years ago and it was super, super challenging. Um, I blame the rigors of the trade show industry on a lot of what shortened his life. Um, so my whole goal after taking over was like short term, like let's try and modify this business into something else. So it doesn't, have the effect that it did on him on the rest of us um yeah so basically i uh i reshaped the business along with the team here we made things a lot more simple a lot more efficient uh we picked up a lot higher level clientele we grew existing clients um right up to kind of pre-covid uh our business was doing the best it's ever done um and about sort of eight months previous to that uh, my goal was to adopt internal manufacturing because a lot of what we did relied on suppliers and outsourcing. Mm-hmm. So um, basically, uh, we brought in a small laser to get started, and I fell in love with it. I have I have a young family of three little boys and a and a young wife, and uh, I kind of neglected them for months and sort of mastered the laser. And it really kind of took shape and complemented what we were doing on the trade show side, but also opened up a whole other passion and then like kind of uh, a realization that like I can, I can use these lasers in a space that I love more than kind of the trade show space. And that kind of ignited me to start positioning the products towards athletes and sports. Mm-hmm. Um, that really started to make some sort of high level connections off the start and that really igniting, ignited things. Uh, working with like MLSE uh, when the arena was filled here in Toronto, uh, some of our displays would just like move off the shelves with game worn uh, like leaf gear on it, like in seconds at games. And traditionally that stuff didn't move very quick. It was kind of like, uh, game to, uh, it relied on how the game went and who performed in the game for something to potentially move and it was rare for it to happen but just kind of simply uh, modifying the approach and customizing how they were displayed and utilizing kind of what we had learned on the trade show side and what we had mastered on the lasers we identified like a niche and an opportunity where we can we can use these as tools not only to help sports and to generate revenue but uh, what I'm more passionate about is sort of working with athletes direct um, and working with awesome people direct and creating mutual value on that side. So yeah, it's all kind of position itself towards what it is now. And uh, now we're kind of building it as a multifaceted side that uh, like the, the tools that we create, the shafts and the net wraps and all that, um, those kind of help uh, create exposure and get athletes interested in what we're doing because they're positioned as elite level tools. Mm-hmm. And then once, once we sort of create connections, then it's like, okay, well, these are kind of just, this is just the start. We can also help you, uh, generate revenue, off uh, old game worn gear that's sitting in a closet and collecting dust. And we can do it in a really efficient way. And we can help you sort of brand yourself and add value to your signature and add value to your name and help you get your name out there in a proper way that that helps add value to everything that you're doing. 
So like all this kind of all the background and experience that we've gained sort of helping large corporations brand and sort of all the shortfalls that exist in the corporate world, um, like we're really exposed to. And our goal is to kind of position this as a market disrupting business uh, throughout sort of the sports world, um, just in the way that we manufacture and the way that we commit to our sort of teammates. Yeah, it sounds like, uh, you know, if you had a, a, almost like a, an accounting person and a, uh, <laughs> and a lawyer involved, you could basically be an agent for a lot of these athletes because you handle, you're, you're starting to handle a lot of the marketing for these guys that are underexposed, I would say is, is a fair way to put it for guys in the NLL, definitely underexposed, undermarketed. So, so in general, these kind of like these display things, are these custom to each athlete or do you have kind of like a, a base format that you kind of just customize from there or, or how are you running that? Yeah. Um, there's kind of like, there's a slight bit of standardization to the process, but mm -hmm. um, I try to limit as much standardization as possible just so that uh, one, the output is unique and uh, two, that the, each kind of athlete and each display gets the one of one personalization that it deserves. Um, I mean, usually like I, I've like, I love live edge wood and uh, kind of the time that we've spent here acquiring unique live edge pieces um, and kind of the, the way that they're received by the market. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that I'll probably always stick to. Uh, but like we, we can, we can always like, we've done displays on like granite and quarry and, and different acrylics. And now with our new machine, like we can, we can do like aluminum plates and like, we can get into all kinds of stuff, but I, I, I really, I have a soft spot for wood, for re reclaimed wood and for certain species of wood. Um, especially the, the, the maples and the butternuts. I mean, if you look at a lot of the displays I made, uh, sort of off the start with MLSE and, and some of the original kind of lacrosse displays. I use a super soft wood that uh, really only wood carvers are interested in because it's soft um, and it's kind of, uh, it can have fragility to it if it's not finished properly. But because it's not used so much, the look of it just brings out so much kind of character because it's so unique. And it's, uh, it's something that I always kind of fall back on. I try to, I, whenever, whenever wood mill has butternut in, I usually try to get the whole lift over here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so I, I, I finally figured out what I was going to say to you. You, do you guys ever watch the, the old MTV show, West coast customs? Yeah, I've seen it. All right. I was going to say, Scott, you're kind of like the guy that runs that place, but for, <laughs> for lacrosse stuff, like you, people show up, they're like, just give me something cool then you you know your mind goes to work you make this awesome table for dane and they end up loving it and they obviously want to take it from you so that's kind of like you're the inside guy in the lacrosse community and and in the hockey community as well for like the cool custom stuff that you can't get anywhere else so not a custom car but a custom coffee table these days it might be just as in honestly. i love it I love the tag. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Wes, what are, I don't want to get into a huge tangent on this, but what is kind of your thought having, you know, being a field and box guy with the, the shift in the season this year to April? 
Yeah, so it, it's going to be pretty interesting because I know um, from talking to both sides, they want us to be able to play both, and mm -hmm. they're trying to cater this schedule around that. But I know it's going to be interesting and difficult because both leagues play major majorly on weekends, and it's going to line up almost you know parallel with with the um, indoor and outdoor. So it's going to be going to be pretty interesting. We're hoping we're able to play play both and there's not too much conflict and um you know if it's missing a game here or there that you know maybe maybe kind of you're hoping mean nothing games in the middle of the season but um it's it's going to be pretty difficult so uh you know switching back and forth is always even a bit of uh mm -hmm. you know a bit of a hassle sometimes when you're in the middle of the season you go from you know field to, to indoor and, and whatnot and it's you know it takes a little bit of time to get used to but a lot of us have done it for for years so I don't think that's the issue as much as you know just hoping that you don't have two games fall on a Saturday in you know, opposite ends of the, the country or something like that and you know you have to miss one yeah do you think it could end up being like it has been in the past where if they're you know basically if the just the playoffs overlap with just the beginning of the season where only the guys maybe in the finals are the ones that are, are missing the beginning of a different season. Could you see yeah. it being something like that? Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, most likely what, what might happen. And hopefully again with, um, you know, the ability of the PLL playing, you know, Sunday games and, and having that TV contract. I know a lot of the, the bigger games that are on NBC are usually on Sunday, whereas, traditionally that the NLL plays Friday, Saturday. So hopefully, you know, they're able to work something out where it doesn't put somebody in a, in a bad situation, especially when it comes down to playoffs. That's, that's always the worst trying to make that decision. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely not easy if you're playing on two teams and you want to be, you know, you want to be a good teammate and, and, and be there. And so it's, it's always, uh, always a bit of a disaster if it comes down to something like that so we're just we're just hoping it doesn't uh doesn't do that in the end yeah and luckily for you i mean playing in san diego you're kind of closer to the you know the core operations of the pll so i'm sure that wouldn't hurt you getting the games but that's not the case for everybody and then with um you know i think a question that i've actually we've never had an nll guy on the show so the question that we've been dying to know is for someone like you that plays in both leagues and obviously with pro lacrosse being what it is, where it's not, you know, funded, the players aren't compensated the same way they are in other leagues. Is it possible for you to just play indoor and outdoor and, and not have another kind of stream of income, you know, not including maybe like camps or something like that for someone like you that plays professionally in two leagues, are you able to just do that? Or are you still, do you have a, you know, a quote unquote day job? Yeah, no, definitely uh, not. You, you have to have a day job. You have to have something, other source of income. And even, you know, say you get to 25, 26 and you're making max in both leagues and, and are able to, you know, do pretty well with that. You just never know what, what happens in lacrosse. You get an injury or, or, or whatever might happen. If something like this comes up with a, you know, a pandemic even is a, is a pretty big eye opener. I think for a lot of guys that, you know, even, even then you're not, you're not able to put a whole lot of money away. You're not making, you know, a million dollar bonus where you can invest in some things or even buy, you know, a house or something like that. And if you do get injured or your, your, uh, 
career's cut, cut short, at least you have some money to fall back on. Whereas lacrosse, you know, you, you could definitely make it work for, for uh, a couple of years and just play, but you know, you're taking quite a risk and I, you're financially definitely not, uh, you know, not in a, in a great place. So I think it's important. Number one, to, to have um, a day job or have something, even in the industry, if it's coaching or, or doing something like that, where you can pick up some other skills and another source of income, because again, you just never know with, with injuries and things like that. And uh, you know, you see it quite a bit, even, even players who make a ton of money in the NFL and, and maybe they don't spend it so wisely and they go bankrupt after, but the, the maybe the one good thing about lacrosse is you're never going to have that, uh, <laughs> you know, crazy source of income and be buying, buying these foreign cars or buying a bunch of things for your buddies. Right. Cause you're not exactly rolling in money. So um, I think it's really important even when you get out of college and if, even if you're just playing for a couple of years and, and coaching or doing camps here and there to, to find something either, you know, that you could do long-term in the industry or, or find something, uh, you know, unrelated. I know a lot of guys that play in the NLL are, are firefighters and, um, you know, it's more flexible schedule, but they have that, um, you know, not only a pension, but they have, you know, a set, set of skills and, and things in a job that they, a career they mm-hmm. can use um, away from lacrosse. Cause you know, just because you're a good player doesn't mean somebody's going to hire you on as a, as a GM or a coach or, or management or anything like that. So I think it's important to kind of expand the, the horizons a little bit uh, while you're playing, because, you know, you're not, you're not always playing on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or, or traveling. So it's important to, to have uh, kind of another source of income. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's what draws me to professional lacrosse more than a lot of other professional sports is that, you know, I tend to think of it as a blue collar thing. You know, I think hockey is probably the most blue collar of the, of the big, big sports industries. And for the same reasons where you have a lot of guys that, I mean, yeah, they're, they're not hurting for money, but they're definitely not as flashy. And I think the lacrosse is the same way. A lot of these guys make way more money off the field than they do on the field. Uh, I mean, some of these guys have insane day jobs and they're just doing this for fun. And I've always appreciated I mean, not just for fun, but also for competitive spirit and all that other stuff. But I've always appreciated that like this isn't their primary source of income and they're still putting everything into it. And I think that's what kind of sets pro lacrosse apart from any other professional um, sport, in, in, especially in North America. So I, I've always appreciated that about it. And like you said, NLL, it's firefighters, MLL. I know that a lot of guys in the MLL are, you know, there's, there's some firefighters, paramedics, cops. So I think that's a definitely a, a unique situation to be in. So yeah, uh, yeah, for, for sure. You, you know, shedding some light on that. No problem. Yeah. And it definitely, I know too, the cool thing is a lot of these, these people are kind of, you know, with, with their jobs they're community-based jobs right so it's cool to uh to kind of you know a lot of guys that are in coquitlam or whatever that are firefighters there and you're you're kind of in there and they have time where they're they're coaching kids or they're still running some camps and doing some stuff lacrosse related which is is pretty awesome absolutely it's definitely it's, unlike any other pro sport <laughs> and this and 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 I agree completely with you, Nick. Like I, I have such a soft spot. I mean, it's because I'm ingrained in the sport as well, but I have such, such a soft spot, soft spot for that aspect of the sport on both sides in the box and the field side. And part of that aspect is what drives what we do here 
um, and and part of that aspect and that gap is what we try to sort of hopefully help fill with the mm-hmm. help of, of, of close knit athletes in our partnerships. Mm-hmm. So just with all that, with all that being said, that's part of the opportunity that we kind of see, which we've already touched on, but I just wanted to, to kind of reiterate it. Yeah. Uh, and, and, that, yeah. and that, and that's really partial, like that's really part of what kind of what attracts some of the athletes to us as well is that there's potential not only for generating revenue for themselves but for charities or for doing things properly you know what i mean and getting making sure that the proper people are involved and uh the proper resources end up in the proper places yeah definitely and i think you know to look on the the lighter side of of again not having a it's not exactly a full-time sport um, maybe for a few guys but you know, if you're a professional hockey player or basketball player, your majority of your day is spent either training, traveling, or, or doing stuff for the team. So to have the the ability to um, to be able to work with with Scott and be able to do stuff, you know, that's pretty cool. I, I worked for Warrior for for quite a long time, and mm-hmm. and still have a partnership with them. And so to be able to kind of learn a bit about the technology that goes behind the the equipment and all that kind of stuff, and then be able to have Scott's expertise on a lot of these materials and, and how we can customize them and, and design them is something that's, you know, really cool. And I think, again, if I was, you know, fortunate enough to be playing in the NHL, I, I don't think I would even really have much time or pay too much attention to, to a lot of that stuff. You know, it's kind of hockey twenty four seven, And again, you're not really incentivized with having a million dollar contract or, or more, you, you know, that's really your only focus is, is being a, you know, unbelievable player. You're not really looking at the, the outside aspects of, of the right. sport. And so that's, that's one thing that's been really cool for me is to be able to work with, with people like Scott that are, you know, so knowledgeable and, and um, so good at what they do and be able to learn from them and be able to kind of bring some other knowledge to the table of what, with the stuff I've learned from warrior and, and things like that. So that's been a really, really cool part of it. And, and that's something that, um, you know, again, we're as a lacrosse player, you're lucky because you're not, you know, it's not the, the full-time job. You're not traveling maybe on a, on a Monday or Tuesday and you have some time to, to look into things like this and, and, uh, and, and do some pretty cool stuff. Yeah. And Scott, I think what's cool about kind of the memorabilia section of, of your website and the display boards and all that other stuff that you do is that lacrosse definitely is also unique in the fact that even though the athletes aren't exactly full time in their pay, the fans are definitely super fans. And so to be able to get, you know, a game worn, not just a helmet, right? Like anybody can go on again, another interesting thing about lacrosse, anybody can go on sideline swap and get, you know, something probably from Westberg's college days at Denver, like a helmet or something. But to be able to get it like prepared and make it something like you want to actually display, not just hang up on a shelf, um, it is also something super unique. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, I mean, I see you have Austin Matthews game worn gloves. If I had three and a half K lying around and I wasn't a, a Red Wings fan, I would definitely be interested. So I think it's very unique. the the way that you're kind of packaging it all together. And I think, yes, like there's definitely a a revenue aspect for the player, but also it's just another nice thing for, for the fans, right? You're getting a quality piece 
And it's also fulfilling that need of like, hey, I really, really want to support this player. A lot of times when someone goes and buys Warrior, the, the idea isn't that Westberg is getting some money. But if I buy Westberg's game-worn seals, helmet, and gloves on a display table, like I know Westberg is getting some of this money. So I'm directly supporting a player, uh, which I don't know many opportunities in professional sports where you can just be like, I really like this guy. I get some gear, but also I get to support this guy directly. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and we take that to the next level. Like, to be transparent, like every athlete uh, that we, every athlete supported piece that we have on there. So anything with their signatures or anything uh, like memorabilia, it's a 50 50 split on the revenue. So basically, we, we have that margin set in there for them um, as a show of value to the market. Um, and it's something that I just think it's something that's been neglected. Um, and that's been taken advantage of in different ways. Um, and we're really trying to sort of poke ourselves in there and, and support the players in a transparent way um, and make it easier for them to kind of make all this happen. If you're, if you're listening and you, you heard that, you can directly support your favorite players by going to msnlaser.ca and buying some incredible custom gear. All right, Scott, Wes, it's been absolutely incredible having you on the show and learning about MSN Laser. Wes, a little bit about your background and and your involvement in the project. Uh, I really appreciate both your time and, and thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thanks so much.